If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Kat and I don't argue much, but we got into a heated discussion at Target over potatoes (laughs) yesterday. Well, we have discovered a real trend in when we do have a disagreement, it's almost always the same problem. Miscommunication. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? And I said, let's let's do fish and chips. And you said, should I get potatoes? And I said, no, fish and chips. And you're like, well, chips are French fries and they're made of potatoes. Do you not know what French fries are made of? So we had this heated discussion at Target <laughs> about what uh, what French fries were made from and... People were staring at us. No, they weren't. Well, one little old lady was. She was. Uh, she was actually looking at the fine cheese selection at Target, and uh, she she was trying not to be noticed, but uh, she was kind of giving us the sideway glance. Oh, okay. You, you think know? she was subtly eavesdropping? Oh, yeah. Not even that subtly. Uh, but you'll be glad to know we worked it out. Yeah. Um, and that uh, the disconnect was, we often have <laughs> fish. With not real fish, but you know, uh, vegan fish with uh, mashed potatoes. Right, that's and, your thing. Yeah, right. That you you like and so fish and mashed potatoes. Right. So I just said fish and chips, and you said should we get potatoes? And I immediately thought you meant to make mashed potatoes, and mm-hmm. so I thought you hadn't heard me say chips, mm-hmm. and I said chips, and you thought that I didn't know what chips were made from. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Our last three arguments have literally been about the word potato, mm-hmm. table, yep. and apartment. Apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our life. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Why aren't you listening to me? <laughs> so what do you got for me today, my love? Eastland County, about two hours west of Dallas, was booming in the last part of the 19th century. So much so, in fact, that the community needed a larger courthouse, which was to be dedicated in 1897. Was the clock tower hit by lightning? (laughs) 
The town had a ceremony kicking off the construction that included the creation of a time capsule. No. So much fun, right? So this time capsule was to be embedded in the cornerstone of the courthouse. It contained a Bible, a bottle of liquor, uh, some documents to mark the special occasion. A Bible and a bottle of liquor. Yeah, it's important. Uh, They've got it covered from both angles. That's right. Ernest Wood was part of the time capsule ceremony business, and his four-year-old, Will Wood, had recently captured a horned toad. And there was a widely held theory that horned toads, which are actually lizards, can hibernate for a hundred years. So Ernest had this idea that it would be fun to conduct an experiment. Hmm. I see where this is going. So this sweet, gentle lizard that didn't do anything (laughs) got uh, tossed in the time capsule with the Bible and the documents and the booze and walled up in the courthouse's structure. So 30 years later, it's uh, either not a very good courthouse or the community had grown so much that they needed a new courthouse. So this old courthouse was being demolished. And everyone kind of had forgotten about this horned toad, except for Ernest. He told the local newspaper, he was like, listen, we've got this courthouse that we're demolishing, but in the cornerstone, we did this time capsule, you remember? And there was this litter, right? And so the newspaper spread the word, and the people wanted to know what had become of Blinky, the horned toad. They named him Blinky. Well, Will Will Wood had named him Blinky before Blinky was stolen from him and jammed into a box and put in the cornerstone of a building. All right, okay. About 3,000 people wanted to know what had become of Blinky. That's amazing. So they gathered outside the courthouse to watch the reopening of this cornerstone. Did Blinky pop out with a cane and top hat? (laughs) Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. No. Uh, it had only been 31 years, and again, the, the theory was that horned toads could hibernate for 100 years. Uh, coincidentally, by the way, today is the anniversary of George Romero's death. Just wanted to... <laughs> Throwing that out there. Acknowledge the master, uh, his passing on this day, the zombie master, and then zombie toads, right? Uh, Anyway, according to Roadside America, officials hovering over the cornerstone included the county judge and at least three local clergymen to ensure that no one would try to sneak in a bogus lizard. A little reptilian sleight of hand. Right. So the time capsule was opened and Blinky was produced alive. No shit. He was dusty, gray, flat as a pancake. His horns were worn down, apparently from the friction of having been locked in a box for 31 years. Mm. Um, His mouth was sealed shut from inactivity. This is vile. Uh, But he was alive and quickly renamed Old Rip after the legendary character uh, Rip Van Winkle, who took a 20-year nap. Uh, Only in this case... Blinky had no interest in taking this 31-year nap. He was forced into a box again. Yeah, yeah, we get the idea. By garbage humans. Okay. Old Rip was immediately a sensation. Of course he was. He was a a resurrected horned toad. They should have named him Lazarus. That would have been, no, Old Rip is good. 
Will Wood, the kid who you might remember Blinky originally belonged to. Right. Actually, he belonged to nature. But let's move on. (laughs) Yes, we get it. Will Wood went on tour with Old Rip. They traveled the United States (laughs) together. Wow. Old Rip was written about in the New York Times in the journal Science. Newsreels staged reenactments of the cornerstone ceremony with the time capsule being, oh, put in the cornerstone and then, ooh, taken out again. And there he is. It was glorious. He was (laughs) the most famous animal since the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Rip Uh, must have been loving this. Well, uh, apparently he didn't care very much. I mean, he was being fed, so he was jazzed Mm, about that. Uh, But he was kept in a little fishbowl with some dirt and some crickets, and Mm -hmm. he was doing fine, I guess. I guess. There was a print run of 16,000 postcards made about Ol' Rip, which sold out almost immediately. (laughs) Ol' Rip even journeyed to D.C. to meet President Calvin Coolidge. And allegedly, Calvin Coolidge broke several previous engagements to meet this horned toad. And why wouldn't you? There were skeptics, though. Can you believe it? In Dothan, Alabama, officials there sealed a hapless horned toad into a box and buried it for six months. And that toad didn't live. So oh, they no. said that that was proof that Ol' Rip was a fake, which is just silly. Because, I mean, maybe there was something wrong with that lizard. Who sure. knows? And he didn't have whiskey. So. That's right. Eastland countered that Ol' Rip had been entombed above ground. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that wasn't the same. They yeah. buried their lizard dummies. Also, they said, where, where were we going to find one of these uh, lizards in February to fake this situation? <laughs> like, you, you going to find a lizard? Go ahead. Try to find a lizard in February. Someone offered $1,000 wow. if someone could find a lizard in February. They were very dedicated they to were Ol' Rip. They were serious yeah. about this. Will Wood credited Rip's survival to the Bible that had been placed in the cornerstone rather than the whiskey. No, I'm going with the whiskey on that one. Sadly, only 11 months after uh, Rip's miraculous unveiling, he passed away. It's said he had contracted pneumonia. Did they call in a team of vets? Because obviously Rip's become a cottage industry at this point. I I think once he had passed, it was kind of the end of this oh the, they didn't know he was sick he just, i don't think okay. so it right. just he just died but he was so important to the community by the time that he died that he was embalmed and placed in a velvet lined casket Aww. he was placed on display in the lobby of the new eastland county courthouse rather than buried within it in 1973 though you think rip's story is over it's not <laughs> old rip's body was stolen Yes. An anonymous letter was then sent that the finding of Ol' Rip alive had been faked and that the person who had kidnapped Rip's body wanted to go public with this story and dispel the myth of Ol' Rip. He demanded that others who had been involved in this deception come forward. The kidnapper alleged that the live horned toad was switched out for the very much dead original Blinky. Ah, so it was reptilian sleight of hand. When none of the other co-conspirators came forward, I guess the kidnapper kind of was like, all right, well, whatever. And he sent another message and was like, well, you can you can get old Rip 
<laughs> on the football field, I guess. He's not on the field. So he just he yeah. just left him, yeah. um, which I think is kind of funny. Like he had so much respect for mm. this figure of their community that he was like, "All right, well, you can at least have him back. That's fine." <laughs> The coffin was found and returned to the courthouse, though there is speculation that the coffin was returned. But once again, there had been a reptilian switcheroo. Did he wake up? No. Oh. There was no waking up. But they thought that the embalmed body of the lizard looked fresher than the original Hmm. embalmed body of the lizard. There was a lot of inspection. I see. It's thought that the real lizard is being held in a private collection somewhere. Anyway, so he was returned to his stately resting place where he could continue to mingle with the elite. In 1962, when John Connolly, also of Texas, by the way, uh, campaigned for governor, he went to go visit Ol' Rip. It was a great photo op. People were very excited about it. And he lifted him up out of his coffin <laughs> by a hind leg, which promptly snapped off. Oh, no. People were very upset. But they like tried to pretend it didn't happen and just jammed him back together. Right. And they were like, oh, yeah. everything's fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. And they got their revenge years later when they said, here, you can have the front seat. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Moving right along. Too soon? Today... Visitors to Eastland, Texas courthouse can still see Rip on permanent display with a wounded leg. Wow. Yes. According to Atlas Obscura, the courthouse is open weekdays from 8 to 5. There's also a large sculpture nearby of Old Rip, which tells the story of the horned toad who refused to die, except for when he did. Yeah. Which actually looks pretty incredible, and I kind of want to go see it. Um, And it's widely thought that the famous Warner Brothers animator Chuck Jones modeled his singing, dancing cartoon frog, Michael J. Frog, after the story of Ol' Rip. I think it's Michigan J. Frog. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, Maybe I mistranscribed. I remember... That cartoon, that Bugs Bunny cartoon, and it was they tore a building down, and he was inside a, oh. a, a time capsule in the cornerstone. Well, I think I'd like to watch that. Okay, let's do that. And also, my apologies, Michigan. And now, that thing in the middle. Recently, a Swedish couple named their newborn child, and bear with me while I spell it, B-R-F-X-X-C-C-X-X-M-N-P-C-C-C-L-L-L-M-N-N-P-R-X-V-C-L-M-N-C-K-S-S-Q-L-B-B-1111116. His name is pronounced Albin. The Box of Oddities. Celebrity voice impersonated. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. 
And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames, and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's a-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. He sent us an email. Kat and Jethro, well, here goes. I generally listen to you guys at my desk or in my car. Today, I listened in the shower. I'm behind, so I'm listening to the episode from March. You know, the one about the history of vibrators? Yeah, that one. 
had to turn the volume down so the littles couldn't hear. I exit the shower, get dressed, and head to my home office to start my workday. I'm in the middle of, a, of conducting a Zoom call when my husband's standing in the door looking panicked. I quick turn off the camera, but my mic is still on. He lifts my headset and tries to whisper in my ear without what he's saying getting into the mic. I shoo him away and tell my team that I have to go on mute for a moment. Now I'm muted and my husband's still whispering, Night And I'm like, what? He motions to me to follow him into the bedroom. He yell whispers, Your nightstand is vibrating. <laughs> and by golly, it was. I open the drawer and both my vibrators are on full blast. I couldn't hear it because I had my headset on. My husband didn't turn them off himself because our son was following him around. He didn't want to expose him to the devices. So whatever remote control power you have over my sex toys in our house, please wait until I'm not conducting a Zoom call next time. That's fair. I have so many weekly boo effect experiences, but this one was by far the funniest. Thanks, Emil. Signed, E. Yeah, people don't understand that we can um, affect sex toy devices telekinetically. <laughs> Absolutely not. I wouldn't want that kind of power. <laughs> you'd never leave your house. <laughs> but you'd always be smiling. You're welcome. <laughs> Would you tell me a tale, please? Yes, I will. You know I love a good revenge story. Oh, yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, I haven't seen The Count of Monte Cristo in far too long. Well, put that on the list. Right now, I've got for you the legend of Pistol Pete. Oh. Born Francis Boardman Eaton in Hartford, Connecticut on the 26th of October in 1860. Now, he lived there until he was eight years old. And in 1868, his entire family, they got swept up in the Kansas homesteading rush. Mm -hmm. And so Frank's dad packed them all up on a covered wagon and moved them out to Carbondale, Kansas, actually about eight miles west of where Carbondale, Kansas is. They decided to build their house on the site of an old hotel, of an old hotel that had been located alongside the trail left by Quantrill's raiders. They fought pro-Confederate partisan guerrillas known as the Bushwhackers. Mm. They fought in the American Civil War. Which reminds me, I can't wait to go back to St. Thomas. To get a Bushwhacker. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can do that when we watch Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> One of the most famous members was Jesse James oh. of, of this particular um, group of raiders. Okay. This was a wild and lawless country in those days. So they build their house and one night, not long after they had finished constructing it, they heard gunfire and yelling coming from the front of the house. And Frank's father went out to see what was going on. He grabbed his gun and he stood there confronting a band of outlaws that were known as the Regulators. Mount up. They were there rustling cattle and robbing from just about any place that they felt they could get away with. And they were trying to rob Frank's family's house. Frank's father was having none of it. He stood there on the porch and he raised his rifle, demanded the outlaws get off the property. It was five against one. Not very good odds for Frank's dad. And Frank, through the window, watched his father gunned down by five men Oof. on that moonlit night. Now their neighbor, whose name was Mose Beeman, loved the names in the 19th century. Mose came to help the family and he told young Frank, quote, my boy, May an old man's curse rest upon you if you do not avenge your father's death. Beam then uh, gave Frank his very first gun at eight years of age. It was an old Navy revolver with an eight-inch barrel. Beeman then taught young Frank how to uh, mold and make his own bullets. 
and Frank became obsessed with learning how to shoot. He spent all of his time target practicing and, and learning different ways and techniques so he could learn to shoot better than anyone. He wanted to be the best. He wanted to avenge his father's death, track down those five guys who had gunned his dad down in cold blood. Soon, he became so proficient at shooting that he didn't even have to aim. He would just what they call point fire. It said he could shoot the head off a rattlesnake with either hand by simply point firing. Wow. In 1876, Frank's mother and two sisters moved to Indian Territory near the present site of Bartlesville. Nearby was Fort Gibson. Now, Frank was 15 at this time, and he wandered into Fort Gibson to see if he could pick up any shooting tips. He wanted to see if members of the cavalry could teach him how to shoot better. So they decided to uh, hold a competition, and he outshot every soldier in the cavalry. The commander of the fort, Colonel Coppinger, was so impressed, he gave Frank a badge for marksmanship <laughs> and said, quote, I'm going to give you a new name. From now on, you're known as Pistol Pete. And he gave Eaton a, um, a Colt 45 and his first two boxes of factory-made ammunition. Now, it was not long after that that Eaton found out that two of the five guys who killed his dad were living in a cabin on a Canadian river just southwest of Weber Falls. Doc Ferber and Shannon Campsey. Eaton rode into the clearing where their cabin was located, and uh, Campsey was sitting on the porch. He yelled out. He said, Hello, Shan. Don't you know me? Campsey uh, grabbed his rifle and took aim at Eaton, and Eaton pulled his gun and shot him dead on the porch. He then located Ferber in a nearby clearing. He was working cattle that he had stolen, and uh, again demonstrated his amazing shooting ability and dropped Ferber to the pasture. Wow. So this earned Pistol Pete the first two notches on his pistol. Now, because Ferber and Campsey were well-known cattle thieves, Eaton was hired as a detective by the Cattlemen's Association for gunning them down. Uh, Within three months, he had set off to find John Ferber, who had helped his brother and Campsey steal and sell cattle in the Missouri Territory. Uh, As fate would have it, the night before Eaton arrived, Ferber was killed in a card game. So Eaton attended the funeral just to make sure he was dead. (laughs) (laughs) And at the funeral, he learned that two more of the group that killed his father had a small ranch in the Ozarks. So he set out to find them. When he got there, he challenged them both to a duel. And he killed them both, only feet apart. Now, there, were only, there was only one surviving member of the regulators who had killed Pistol Pete's dad, Wiley Campsey. In 1885, Eaton was serving as a deputy U.S. marshal under Isaac Parker, the hanging judge. And during this time, he added six more notches to his pistol in the line of duty. In 1887, while tracking cattle thieves, he learned that Wiley Campsey was tending bar in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So he got a hold of his friend Pat Garrett, and they went out to uh, to find him. When they arrived, Campsey was tending bar with two of his gunmen, and uh, Eaton ordered Campsey to, quote, fill your hand, you son of a bitch, oh. and then shot him twice through the heart before Campsey could even reach the rifle under his bar. His two gunmen, however, were able to wound Eaton. They shot him in the leg and in the left arm, and Pat Garrett helped him out of the saloon and uh, got him out of town and tended to his wounds, and he uh, completely recovered. By the age of 27, Frank Eaton had avenged his father's murder by tracking down and killing all five men who were responsible. 
1889, he purchased uh, a claim west of Perkins. He married in 1890. He had two daughters. His wife died in 1902, leaving Frank a widower with two small daughters. He remarried in 1903. How did his wife die? God knows it could have been anything. Like pneumonia? Yeah. Trying to avenge his (laughs) wife's death from pneumonia. (laughs) Pew, pew, I'm going to get you fluid in the lungs. Pew, pew, pew. So he remarries in 1903 to a woman named Anna, and together they had eight more children. Yeah, he owned a blacksmith shop. He was well known for his legendary antics. He was a bit of a local uh, legend. One of the local children recalled later watching in fascination as Eaton would walk barefoot on the steaming hot boiler of a steam engine. And he would also pick up hot pieces of metal in his shop with his toes. Oh. Now, his daughter Elizabeth explained that her father had suffered from frostbite and he had no feeling in his feet. So this is how he could do that. No. Now, he always wore a cowboy hat, a vest, blue jeans, frontier boots. He had a big, bushy mustache and long, braided hair. He, 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 was, he had the look. It sounds like he had the look. For years, he, bitch. he entertained the youngsters. They would come out to his house, and he'd sit on the porch, and he'd spin yarns about the old days, and he'd show them his lightning-quick draw. In 1923, students from Oklahoma A&M College, which is now Oklahoma State, saw Pistol Pete in a parade and thought he'd make a great mascot for the school, so they asked him to pose for an artist. Eaton agreed, and he became the original cowboy for Oklahoma State University. In uh, 1950-56, he wrote a weekly column for the newspaper. It was called Pistol Pete Says, and uh, there were stories of his philosophy on life, recollections from his frontier days, and just humorous anecdotes. He was quite a colorful guy. In 1952, he wrote his autobiography. (laughs) The Chicago Tribune called the book an exciting, genuine bit of Americana. He was making TV appearances in his later years and even lectured at the University of Oklahoma's history class. And during one of the lectures, he accidentally fired his gun in the student union while demonstrating his quick draw. And uh, they actually have a plaque next to the hole in the wall (laughs) in the student union. When that happened, they asked him why he would carry a loaded gun, and he said, "Um, I'd rather have a pocket full of rocks than an unloaded gun. On Tuesday morning, April 8th, 1958, at the age of 97, Frank Eaton died in his sleep at his home. About a thousand people showed up for the funeral, and uh, the Reverend A.G. McGowan, a longtime friend of Eaton, said of him at the funeral, quote, he had a tough exterior, but he was kind and tender-hearted. Children loved him. He could quote Shakespeare, Plato, Aristotle, and he knew poetry. After his death, his revolver with the 11 notches, the holster, hat, boots, pocket watch, fiddle, and other effects were given to a local Wichita businessman. The guy's name was Jimmy Razu. That was by Eaton's daughter. She gave him that stuff in in exchange for him buying Eaton a headstone. In 1965, Razuk's nephew... The nephew of the businessman convinced him to loan the items to OSU. The items were displayed in a glass case on the third floor at the student union, but shortly after they were put on display, they were stolen. The items were never recovered. Frank Pistol Pete Eaton posthumously entered into the National Cowboy Hall of Fame on March 15, 1997. I got my information from eatonhome.org. 
Wikipedia and time. You want to see a picture of him? Yes, please. Has there been a movie made about this? I'm sure there has been. He He's um, a beloved Wild West frontier character. Mm. Here's a picture of him. We'll post this on social media. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. some super sass. Yeah. He's a super sassy cowboy guy. And I love the fact that he uh, lived to be 97 years old. He, he was born in 1860, and by the end of his life, he was making television appearances. Wow. That's wild. Also, it's starting to thunder, and I hear Haggis whining. He hates the thunder. And fireworks. Mm. We'll see you next time, freaks. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.